Welcome to Trust Company Talks with Bill Noble and Burke Coons. Good afternoon and welcome to Trust Company Talks with Bill Noble and Burke Coons. We are here today joined by our very special guest, our very own Chief Fiduciary Counsel, Westry Vizi, who is here to talk about all things estate planning. Welcome. Well, Welcome, Westry. Welcome, Westry. Thank you for having me. Glad you're here. All well? Yes. Good. Excellent. Very so good. glad to have you guys. with us today, Ms. Vesey. Thank you. Thanks. Glad to be here. Well, maybe we could start by, uh, you could tell our, uh, our, our many, many listeners um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. Uh, let's see. I am from Wilson, North Carolina, originally. A little bit of an accent still. Um mm. Went to UNC for undergrad and then Wake Forest for law school. I was in private practice for about 13 years before joining Trust Company, and I've been here about seven years as fiduciary counsel. have graduated to chief fiduciary counsel. Chief. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Very impressive. It I is. have a husband and two teenage boys. And they are great. They are great. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Well, Bill, do you want to start? So I, we've got a lot to cover. I thought maybe, um, actually, you know what? Before we get into that, uh, as, I guess as we just discussed this, what, uh, you know, I mean, in estate, estate planning lawyers, you know, don't just appear out of the ether. Uh, tell us about how you, how you became, uh, you know, an estate planning lawyer and how you, how you kind of got into your field. I mean, what, what personally and professionally drew you to becoming a lawyer, I guess, uh, and then especially of estate planning? So my dad's a lawyer, I guess. So I was exposed to uh, lawyers from a young age. Um, I initially wanted to be a clinical psychologist for some reason. I think I um, I'm interested in sort of understanding how people think, what makes them tick, and um, wanted to to do some sort of counseling. Um, but then I realized that I was probably going to have to go to med school for that, and I. I uh, didn't think I could handle that. Um, I thought I could probably handle three years of law school. Um, so um, once I got into law school, um, I sort of gravitated towards estate planning, I think, because it, it it naturally is a combination of counseling and law and tax. Um, totally. And, and, you know, somewhat good with numbers. So it just it kind of made sense that that was the right specialty for me to go into. Um, you know, when I am working with clients now as an estate planning attorney, uh, you know, a lot of what I do is trying to extrapolate from them what their goals and, and wishes are, what their conflicts are, what their struggles are so that we can, you know, formulate, um, a meaningful estate plan. So it really is a combination of law and and counseling. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, I don't know about you, Bill, but I feel like i I wish I'd have taken several, you know, psychology classes because I feel like that, you know, it seems it seems like more every year that you're really focused on, you know, helping the individual and not just individuals but groups of individuals, uh, you know, as, as people you know respond to changes in their lives and changes in the markets and and their in their financial situations. So uh, it makes total sense to me. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, from. What you see, I think what we're hearing a lot about in the business schools today is they're teaching behavioral finance classes and things of that nature, which when all three of us were coming coming through, that was that was not even offered. Right. Uh, the, the psychological part of everything you do with regard 
with anything to do with your wealth is very important. So, um, so thanks for sharing that, Westry. You know, we are we at Trust Company South. We are we're a trust company, and what we truly are is a holistic wealth manager. And one of the main components of wealth management to me is the estate planning piece, which is really critical. So. I would love for you to share, as our head fiduciary council, chief what, chief fiduciary, chief fiduciary council, <laughs> Westry, share share with our audience, if you will, what, what is your your definition of estate planning and, it, and its real utility to our clients? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, so let's yeah, let's start with the basics. Yeah. Um, if you think about estate planning from just a conceptual standpoint, not a technical standpoint, but really what it is, is you are doing something for your family. It's a gift for your family. Um, You spend so much time planning for yourself, for your, you know, your retirement or your, you know, your cash flow or educational planning or whatever. This is really planning for what kind of mess you're going to leave behind Mm -hmm. for the people that you love and making sure that you put it in, you know, good order so that it's during a time of their, you know, grief and struggle, they are not having to sort through, you know, all these horrible tax issues and titling problems and things. You've left things in good order for them. So it truly is really a gift from our client to their family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. Yeah. that's a very important. I mean, I wish I'd had <laughs> better guidance that I was going through it personally, uh, you know, years back. Um, and, uh, and I, I mean, I guess we were going to talk about, you know, the importance of, it, but it's almost like it's just self-explanatory. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're sort of just safeguarding and vouchsafing your legacy, right? That's right. That's right. And, you know, Bill, I know that I worked with, with you a little bit when your father passed away and yeah, you know, all the, all the, all the, you know, pieces that, you know, he maybe did or didn't clean up for you. I mean, you know, um, in a perfect world, everybody crosses all their T's and dots all their I's. And so when the people coming behind or, or sorting through it, you know, it's not so, so troubling, but, um, so that's, to me, that's the core of estate planning. Right. So, um, you talk about core, you know, what are the, what are the core elements of a well laid out plan? I mean, uh, uh, I know it's not a static process, but you know, you know, how do you begin to approach it, um, and and when is the right time to be thinking about it? Sure. So, I mean, once you turn age eighteen, there's you know, there's some things that, that you have to have in place. This, I mean, once you're an adult, you have an estate plan. You need to have an estate plan. I mean, at that point, you have you know, have to have a health care power of attorney and a financial power of attorney. Once you get older and you have, you know, children and um, some wealth, um, and it, it becomes, you know, more important. Um, and then you have to really, I think, consider your goals and in the context of how your family will will be able to to use your plan. So, you know, it's not necessarily all about what you want but what you want for your family Mm -hmm. and how they're going to be able to experience what you're leaving them. Um, So, you know, getting your goals together, that's one thing. And thinking about it in in terms of the end user, not necessarily just yourself. Um, And then those goals, you have to put those into an an actual estate plan, a document or two. 
Um, and, and then once you do that, you've got to make sure that all your assets sort of are coordinated with the plan. So that's kind of the, the core of the estate plan and how it has to be formulated. Um, there are lots of other components to that, but that's kind of the basics. Right. Right. Well, thanks for sharing that, Westry. I, you know, as you were talking about that, I was, I was thinking about, um, how when we meet with different clients, we, they come in at all different levels. Some of them have already really well thought out their estate plan as they become a new client. And some of them have done nothing. And it's very surprising to me. Sometimes people are very successful, very smart, very intelligent. And nobody likes to think about dying and, and, and those things of that yeah. nature. Obviously. I mean, some people so, are, are too busy to mess with it. Yeah. People are busy. And then some people just, don't want to think about it. Right. And, and a lot of times it's just there's a particular hurdle, like one thing. I don't know who to name as my executor or I don't know, you know, how much to leave my kids. Or, you know, there's just exactly. one thing that's just keeping them from doing it. But it is surprising that so, some people just haven't done it at all. Yeah. With that being said, so so when we, we are onboarding a new client, for instance, t- talk about, if you will, how how – you know, we, we take a very team approach at Trust Company of the South with how we help manage their wealth. But talk about how you, your your role, and and we have other attorneys here at the firm also that that, that do the same thing you do, but you're our, you're our chief. Chief. Yeah. Chief estate <laughs> planning officer. If you could share how you how you interact with our clients and, and, and talk through that process of helping them make those decisions and things of that nature, that process. Sure. Um, so, so one thing that is important to distinguish is that trust company advisors, including myself, we're all sitting on the same side of the table as the client. You know, we have their best interests. If they do well, we do well, et cetera, et cetera. Um, however, I and our legal team, we're not technically the client's lawyer. They have an outside attorney. So while the attorneys here at Trust Company have all the skill sets of an experienced estate planner, um, they will have an outside advisor. So um, that being said, what we do is we evaluate what type of plan they have. And Bill, to your point, do they have one at all? Um, We set about to educate them about what estate planning is and why it's important. Um, and then we sort of evaluate their their goals as they are able to articulate them and help them formulate their goals. Um, we look at their you know their balance sheet, their assets, their cash flow, um, and then we try and create what we think would be an optimum estate plan for them um, in concept using you know tools such as flowcharts and. Um, summaries, spreadsheets, um, once they feel pretty confident about what they need to do with their estate plan, then we will help them engage an estate planning attorney. And then we will sort of oversee that process and coordinate their getting their estate documents done and retitling assets or beneficiary designations or whatever it may be to complete the estate plan. We make sure we get it across the goal line. Um, And so once the plan's in place, we continue to monitor it over time. So we may have them come back in 
periodically on a cadence that they're comfortable with, or at least every three years, we might look at their plan and just see if they're updates that are recommended or new strategies. Um, and then we'd have to get them back with their estate planning attorney, but it's never a set it and forget it. You know, they come right. in here and they have yeah. their it's plan. Not a sta- it's That's not right. a static it's not thing. Static. Right. Um, and, you know, we work in combination with their wealth advisor and their investment strategist. And we were all working together to formulate the plan. Yeah. Well, one observation I have from your comments there, it's been fascinating to me over the years, have been with the firm so long now that um, I can I can actually remember an example of you talked about flow charting and and most attorneys typically don't don't do that that we and we and we've been blessed to work with most of the best uh, trust and estate attorneys throughout the state of North Carolina sure. or, or anywhere for that matter and um and uh, uh, I can think of several examples of clients we have that came in and they had a document that would look like war and peace. I mean, it was just incredibly thick and incredibly complicated. No visuals in the in the document, and and your ability to to take that two hundred page document and boil it down to five to ten pages um, has been huge to our clients. I mean, they 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 feel like that's something they can share with their kids. And that they can understand, you know, you know, because they can walk and go, how, how that one trust we set up, I can't really remember. But and when they look at the visual, uh, concise manner in which you've done it, I, I think that's an invaluable element to what you do. And I, if you care to elaborate about that, I'd, I'd love to hear you, your additional comments sure. on that. Sure. I, I think some of the the challenges that estate planners face is not that they can't explain this to their clients, but a lot of times they're billing by the hour mm-hmm. or they have a flat fee or something. Their point. clients don't want to pay them to sit down with them every six months or when they have a thought they want to you know, ask a question or whatever. Um, they can use us as a resource. Our services are included in their you know, fee for their wealth management here. and we can spend the time to really digest, summarize, and illustrate their estate plan in a way that is sensical and can spend as much time as we need to answering their questions. Um, there are no stupid questions. I mean, I have been doing this for 20-plus years. Nobody's supposed to understand this except for somebody who specializes right, right. in estate planning. And so using us to be able to not dumb it down but just – pull the pertinent parts out that really are of interest to the client and that, you know, make them realize how important it is, is what we try and do that the estate planning attorney, it's not that they can't do it. It's just that the constraints of the relationship right. prevent and them from spending that much that. time. Exactly. doing that. That's right. That's right. And Burke, I think you'd agree with me that I think Westry, she's going to blush when she hears me say this, but uh, she has a, a a special skill at helping at communicating those things oh, to no clients. Doubt. Of course, um, I, people I think, listening uh, probably already tell that. I mean, but uh, I mean, I remember hearing at um, you know our last uh, you know a client event or actually a client meeting in the not too recent past, or you know, people were saying, you know, I've got the best, uh, I've got the best you know estate attorney you know in the state of Virginia. Uh, 
but I don't understand anything he says, you know, and, and I think it's just helpful to have, a, you know, another resource, you know, that's, that's included in the relationship already that, you know, to, to be able to leverage. And then so that, I, yeah, I totally agree. So, yeah. No question about that. Well, if you have um, numerous professionals looking at the same set of things, you're going to get a better product. So, you know, we partner with the estate planning attorneys. And as you said, Bill, we have very close relationships with all the ones that we work with, with our clients. And, um, and so, you know, two or three heads are always better than one. So, you know, they, they serve their role. I compliment their role. And at the end of the day, what we're all trying to do is get the client to the best place with their estate planning. You know, and, the, and one other thing I just thought about that I think is terrific about the estate planning piece of what we do at Trust Company South, which is led by your efforts, is, um, you know, a client, because because we're not on the clock and we're a, we're a fee-only you know, fee advisor, um, if, if – if they've got an idea about making a change, you know, life changes. That's the one thing we do know. If we always tell our clients we know for certain. One thing we can guarantee is life events will happen and things will change. And if they're thinking about making a change before, you know, they can always call call us and, and specifically you if, as, it, as it pertains to estate planning and just talk through things and help them, help them think through it before they've even – gotten to that point of drafting any documents just help them think through the yeah that's that's so so important and um and i think a lot of people focus so much on the investment piece of what we do and and i just think the value of what you do is 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 significant to say the least well thank you bill you know, you've got the investment well. piece is kind of important <laughs> <laughs> well i will say that investments gets the clients in the door. That's why they come initially, right? And they probably don't appreciate, to your point, that there's all these other planning components that are part of their wealth management. You know, they think of wealth management as investments. But um, I'll give you a real-life example. We had a call with a client yesterday, and they wanted to invest in a hedge fund. And we were trying to figure out from which pot of money to pull their capital. Um, And... So it was a conversation among their wealth advisor, their junior wealth advisor, myself, um, trying to figure out where to invest in this hedge fund. And so it it couldn't have just been done based on investment advice alone. It required somebody to look at each trust to mm-hmm. say, you know, this one is a grand tour trust and this one isn't. This one is dynastic and this one isn't. This one has cash and this one doesn't, you know, this one will create taxes and this one won't. And so um, the investment piece was driving the conversation was what we were talking about, but it wasn't going to be solved in a vacuum with just the investment advisor. Right. The decision tree had to be navigated with someone like you. Including me. Right. Right. I mean, that's it. It all fits together. Yeah. 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 It does. It all fits together. We'll put, we'll put. Um, Bill, you were going to ask about the biggest issue or challenge. Uh, yeah, yeah. What, what do you What do you think? You know, there, it's a very unique political environment we're we're living in right now, and um, and the 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 laws. I mean, there's a lot of things going on out there. I, what, what do you think, Westry, is the biggest challenge from from it, you as a an estate planner that you have to deal with right now? 
because the laws are always changing, things of that nature. So I'd, I'd love to hear your 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 input on that or your thoughts on sure. that. Sure. I mean, it is so challenging to um, to help people with their estate planning in an environment where you never know who's going to be in charge of the decision making from you know one election to the next with this. Um, this disparity of wealth being such a big topic Mm -hmm. in politics right now, because both sides are kind of shooting for the moon. You know, the, the Republicans would like to just do away with the state tax altogether. And the Democrats would like to reduce the exemption back down to, you know, 3.5 million do away with step up and basis, you know, so there's, there's all these extremes and, you know, right now we're in an, in, in an environment where the exemption is very high, um, higher than it's ever been. And they're very favorable planning techniques available to the clients, but around the corner could be a drop in the exemption, right. you know, a, an elimination of these favorable strategies. And so, you know, trying to plan for now with a with a plan that's going to last for a while is challenging. So, as we discussed earlier, an estate plan is not static; it is constantly in motion. And this is one of the reasons why clients have to come back in and and work with their advisory team to make sure their estate plan is current because the laws are changing all the time. You mentioned the word exemption. I know we have a very sophisticated <laughs> listening base and client base, but but define what it, what what. What is the the exemption? What what does that what, what does that technically mean? So estate planning, you know, is is very much planning for the disposi- the proper disposition of your assets and the proper management of your assets upon death and incapacity. But it has a tax component as well. So the tax component shouldn't drive the estate plan. The tax tail does not wag the dog, but it should be considered as part of an efficient estate plan. And estate taxes are charged on assets that are transferred during life or at death to persons other than a spouse and charities. Um, That tax is 40%. It's real high. But there are a myriad of exemptions and exclusions that people can use to avoid that estate tax. And one is called the exemption. Um, you ha- Every person has an exemption before estate tax kicks in. And currently that exemption is at $12 million per person. So until a married couple gets to over $24 million in assets, <clears throat> when they, <clears throat> excuse me, no problem. When they leave assets to their kids, um, they won't have any state tax because of the exemption. The exemption historically has has moved around a bit, and that's what I was saying makes planning challenging. Because if your exemption is only $600,000, couples with wealth over $1.2 million have to worry about estate tax. If the exemption is $12 million, Couples with assets over $24 million have to worry about estate tax, and that's a huge swing. Um, so knowing whether to incorporate tax planning in an estate plan um, is, is interesting at this day and age. The, the other thing about the exemption is that it is scheduled to sunset back to 
an, an, a lower figure in the year 2026. So right now the exemption is 12 million per person, 24 million per couple. It is scheduled to drop down to six or seven million dollars per person, 12 to 14 million dollars per couple in 2026. It is probably worth noting just for our listeners that we're having this discussion in September of 2022. So to give you some perspective with regard to 26 and all of that. Good point. So. Yes. Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting. Um, so when uh, the new administration came in um, last year and there was a, there was a big push on, uh, on, you know, higher taxation to pay for a lot of the things that we had to do for COVID. Um, you know, there was this, it was a uh, news flow every day. It was very negative and frightening for a lot of our, um, a, a lot of our uh, sort of client base. Um, but yet I remember you counsel people said, well, don't, you know, don't rush out and change things just in anticipation of a, of a, you know, a, a big new, piece of legislation because you never know. And then of course, not that much did get changed. And and so, you know, how, how do you, how do you balance, um, you know, trying to be proactive with, uh, you know, with, with, you know, the potential of, of making a mistake um, in anticipation of something that, in anticipation of something that might not happen? Sure. That's a great question. I think um, the, the number one rule is don't do something for tax reasons that you wouldn't be happy with if the tax wasn't going to be there. Mm-hmm. So, it's again not letting the tax tail wag the dog. Now that being said, we don't operate in an environment where you can't consider taxes, so you have to think about them. One other tenant is that whatever you're gonna do, include as much flexibility as you possibly can. Right. Um, and so there's a there's an example is there's a strategy that's being used a lot now called a SLAT or a spousal lifetime access trust. Mm-hmm. It's attempting to, with certain limitations, um, utilize somebody's exemption now before it drops down in 2026 and goes away, but yet allow for your spouse to access the assets, even though you purportedly given them away. And that's an example of trying to incorporate some flexibility in a strategy in an environment where it's anybody's best guess where the tax laws are going to be, but being prudent and and trying to utilize the exemptions that you currently have before they, before they go away. Excellent. Well, we've talked about some things you can do. Talk about some of the um, common shortcomings that you see when people come in the door. Uh, I mean, sort of not having uh, an estate plan, but you know, but, but talk about some of the you know maybe common flaws or areas of improvement that the people could uh, you know take advantage of. So, God, that's that's a long. <laughs> that's a long. <laughs> well, we got all the time in the world. Uh, before before people sit down in front of us and or their estate planning uh, attorney, they typically have lots and lots of things that they can improve upon. And by the end of this process, our our hope and our goal is that they are in really good shape, you know, for the short term. And then, of course, we tweak and monitor and adjust. But some of the typical shortcomings I see are, A, not having documents at all, you know, then you're subject to inheritance. We have seen it all, haven't we? I know, I mean, we, we really have. have. So, amazing. I mean, we've seen people, and I mean, you read all the time about all these celebrities that die without oh, yeah. wills. 
it's unbelievable to me that that happens. I mean, Prince, hundreds of millions of dollars, example, yeah, you know, yeah. and they have they have no estate plan documents. Um, so then you're subject to the laws of, um, you know, the state laws of, and, of inheritance, and, and those are not intestacy laws in, in North Carolina are, you know, what the legislature thinks that the, everyone may likely want if they die without a will. Well, that's going to be the case for about one in a hundred, <laughs> right. you know? So um, so not having any documents at all, having really old documents that have no relevance to the current fact pattern. Um, and another one that I see that, that is, is a struggle is people with balance sheets that are built out the way that they like them to be, but will be almost impossible to distribute and divide up mm-hmm. when they're gone. So they have, you know, $20 million in commercial real estate that they own in thirds with their two brothers and, you know, a million dollars in cash. All right. And they're leaving behind a spouse, children. They have estate taxes to pay. So, you know, there's no reason that they should think about that while they're living their life and doing their thing. And maybe they just really like real estate and that's their jam. And they've done really well with it. They've been very successful with it. Totally makes sense. But then when you start thinking about how am I going to leave this to somebody, it, it, but the wheels start turning. They're like, oh, yeah. Another right. thing that we see a lot is just tons and tons of private equity. So lots of private equity, you know, that require capital contrib- ongoing capital contributions that are illiquid. Some of that stuff you can't easily divide up mm-hmm. and, you know, retitle. or And it's definitely can't liquidate it whenever you need it if you wanted to pay off a mortgage or pay estate taxes or, or whatever it may be. Um so the the balance sheet can be pretty interesting. Um, and then sometimes we see, you know, kind of old and cold trusts that really should be revamped. And there are lots of right. techniques now where you can modernize a trust through uh, modification by consent or judicial modification or decanting. or Those are some fancy words, but you can modify an irrevocable trust sometimes. And a lot of times people set these trusts up and then they sort of set it and forget it. And they've got the wrong trustee, the, you know, dispositive provisions are wrong, the, you know, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of work that can be done in that area as well. I know we're getting, we want to try to keep these conversations not too long, but I know you did attend a recent conference, Westry, and, and were, there, were there any hot buttons that, that, from that conference that you came away with that you felt they were sharing with our audience? Um, so, you know, now that the exemption is so high right now, um, and even as we said in 2026 when it sunsets, it's still going to be pretty high relative to the general population. I mean, right now couples have to have over $24 million to have any sort of estate tax problem. Um and if it drops to 12 to 14, there's still going to be a lot, a lot of people that don't have taxable estates. So um, I think now there's a, a movement to sort of do some reverse estate planning where instead of trying to get it out of your taxable estate, you're pulling it into your taxable mm-hmm. estate. Um, when you die leaving assets to others, um, your assets get a step up in basis to date of death value. And so where there's trusts set up 
that have some legacy positions that have a lot of unrealized gain, you might want to try and include those in the beneficiary's taxable estate in order to get this basis step up. Seems counterintuitive, you know, for most of my career. step up in basis. Sure, sure, sure. Um, So you um, have basis in your assets that is equal to the cost that you bought them for. They appreciate over time. Your assets appreciate over time. Um, when you go to sell your asset, you're going to have capital gains on the difference between your basis, your cost, and what you sell the asset for, fair market value. When you pass away and you leave assets to your heirs, the basis in those assets steps up to fair market value, meaning that your heirs could turn around and sell those assets for no capital gain. Which um, is significant. Which is, can be significant. Right. Yeah. And if you're not going to have a taxable estate, then all these assets that may be wrapped up in a trust for you that have legacy positions and unrealized gain, maybe we purposefully put those back into your taxable estate in order to get the basis step up at your date of death. So a lot of planning right now around that because the exemption is so high. But then the other sort of quagmire that everybody's dealing with is these these planning paradigms. So you've got couples who have combined assets under one exemption. Then you've got couples with combined assets between, you know, the exemption that will be in 2026 and the exemption that is now. And that's a big swing. And then you've got couples with assets over 24 million under any law, they're going to have a state tax. So how do you plan for these different buckets? And how do you plan within the buckets, given that there's some flexibility with exemption numbers? So that's that's a quagmire that everybody's dealing with and pontificating yeah. about at these seminars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excellent. Well, Westry, thank you so much for being with us today. I mean, it this was is a pleasure. It was a pleasure for me. I mean, it's been is, a pleasure for me also, Bert. wonderful. I think I might. We always uh, enjoy being with Westry V. Well, that's true. That's true. But especially when she's giving me advice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. This has been great. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks right. a lot. Thanks again, Westry. Okay. We appreciate right. it. See you soon. All right. Sounds good. Take care. Thank you for listening to Trust Company Talks. These opinions are intended as entertainment. Any opinions expressed on this podcast by Bill Noble, Burke Coons, or anyone else are not necessarily those of Trust Company of the South. There is no guarantee that these statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be accurate. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision and does not constitute a recommendation. These materials are not intended to be tax or legal advice, and readers are encouraged to consult their own legal tax and investment advisor before implementing any financial strategy.